Tech is a bi-weekly podcast exploring the intersections of technology and ministry. It is part of the podcast network sponsored by Wells, the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod. Our show today is hosted by Martin Spriggs and Sally Draper. Welcome back to Wells Tech, everybody. This is episode 682, and we're recording it on Thursday, June 2nd, 2022. My name is Martin Spriggs. You have uh, tuned in to a show about technology and ministry and where those two intersect. Joining me as usual to move that conversation forward, Sally Draper. Hello, Sally. Good afternoon, Martin. Beautiful. Uh, arrival in June we've had here in Minnesota, mm-hmm. and I've actually been in Wisconsin. I've been there and back again, and it has been an exciting week for the Draper family. Yes, congratulations. Stanley has a finally is in the public ministry, yeah. in an official, an official card carrying pastor type. <laughs> So, yep, our oldest son completed his Master of Divinity at Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary. We were there um, for all the festivities. What a beautiful campus! What a mm-hmm. beautiful time to celebrate uh, God's blessings to his church through these young men who graduated. I was able to see both um, Pastor David Tix and mm-hmm. uh, Pastor Eric Zabel and uh, learn about where they were assigned. And it was just a, a festive time. Um, our son Stanley was assigned to Trinity Lutheran Church in Kakana, Wisconsin, which I didn't know existed or how to spell or anything <laughs> until last a lot of Thursday morning. In there, yeah. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. there are. And we actually were able to go with him and his wife up to Kakana and see the church and their whole facility. Um, just a beautiful location. And we're just um, super thrilled for them and thrilled that they're close enough that we can get to them within a five hour drive. So, there, yeah, um, very nice. Was there a abound. vacancy, long vacancy there? Are they adding staff or what's the situation there? Actually, yeah, pretty long vacancy. The pastor had took, taken a call and left in October of 2020. So, over a year and a half. Whoa. And yeah. The congregation was just thrilled. They've called 12 times for a pastor. So, mm-hmm. to have this assignment was a huge blessing to them. They've had a vacancy pastor and things have been rolling along. You can uh, you can see how God blesses congregations through that vacancy process sure. and um, the the leadership in the congregation have really done an excellent job. So that's exciting uh, for Stanley to now step in and begin to shepherd. And uh, we just are looking forward to his ordination and uh, beginnings of his ministry there. Excellent. That's neat. Good Sally. Stuff. Yeah. Can offer our congratulations to Stanley. I'm sure he's super excited to get going. So he that's is. Awesome. He okay. Is. Speaking of excited to get going, uh, we are getting going on a new summer series. And uh, actually, uh, full disclosure, I'm using this uh, this podcast as a little prep time for a class that I'm writing for the graduate studies program at Martin Luther College entitled Enhancing Ministry with Technology. It's a three-credit course. Uh, it'll be taught for the first time in the spring. So I'm just writing it now, and I'm kind of thinking out loud on the podcast as I think through uh, 
what this course is going to be about. I mean, I've got obviously high level thoughts and, uh, and a rough outline, and we'll be working through that all summer. Uh, this summer, we take kind of a lighter look at or approach toward the show, and we uh, carve a few things out and just kind of focus on a few things. And this is what we decided to focus on. So the describe. let me just read the description of the course. Maybe that's a good intro to it. And then we'll talk a little bit about uh, what we're thinking for a piece of it and uh, go from there. It says technology is a key component in many areas of life and it's no different in ministry either. This course takes a look at how technology can be harnessed in a ministry minded fashion to improve, enhance, and extend ministries, including information systems, databases, communication tools, productivity and project management tools, and many other aspects of ministry. So that's very high level. What it sounds a lot like uh, in some respects is stuff that we talk about each and every day on this podcast. So I'm thinking they could just listen to 14 years of podcasts. That's right. So we're going to distill distill this down into a a course where they actually have to, to work a little bit and uh, do some required reading and uh, presentations and the like, and kind of dig deeper than, you know, we kind of dig deep once in a while, but ultimately um, we're just, we go pretty wide and, and not super, super deep on the show. We don't just don't have time for that. So, and podcast probably isn't the best format for that either. So. So what I thought we would do in this first episode, uh, or this first focus of the summer on this topic, enhancing ministry with technology, is talk about um, project management. And um, that's, I think, Sally, maybe you would agree, and I've seen this in, in ministry settings that you've been involved with. That is one of the, I think, biggest challenges within a church or a school or an organization is how to manage projects because they are all about projects, whether you call it project management or programs or whatever, uh, it comes down to a defined set of work that has a beginning and an end and has a desired outcome. And that's project management. Uh, And there's fortunate for us, lots of technology tools uh, that have come along in the past 10, 15 years that are super helpful in uh, helping us manage projects. And we wrote a whole book about that exact topic a number of years ago. We kind of uh, uh, a test project for us. We wanted to see if we could write a book for one, but we wanted to do this whole self-publishing process uh, as people, they, they say everybody has a, a book in them somewhere. Um, I don't know if we found that to be true or not, but uh, <laughs> we did We did finish and put a book out on Amazon called With All Your Heart. Probably can't see it here on camera. There it is. With All Your Heart. Um, project Management for Churches, Christian Schools, and Faith-Based Organizations. So I thought we'd maybe take a few nuggets from there during today's show just to, to get a little sampling, and these will probably make their way into to the course that I'm writing as well. So, Yeah, I think you hit on the, the right angle for this. The, the reason you need maybe to start with project management is that 
so much of what churches and schools do are projects. And um, they may not call it that. They may mm-hmm. say, we've got to get VBS done, or we've got that, um, you know, Easter breakfast coming up and all yep. of the outreach we want to do around that and everything. Um, but those are projects. And that's the business of churches and schools in many ways um, to to have goals and set about steps to make them happen and involve yep. a lot of people and all those kind of things. Lots of moving parts and projects, Martin, and hard to kind of wrap your brain around sometimes and right. keep it moving. Yep. That's one of the frustrations I think in project management is the stuck project, those that don't go anywhere for lots of different reasons. And to practice good project management principles helps you unstuck or unstick projects. Uh, maybe at the highest level, Sally, the way the way I would suggest maybe churches and schools think about this or individuals think about this is uh, from a project portfolio perspective. Uh, if you don't know what a project portfolio is, it's basically a list of all your projects. Uh, so you track them on a calendar, you know when they start, when they stop, and that helps you back into when these projects need to get going and how you resource them, meaning how you fund them, how you staff them, how you prioritize them, how they relate to one another, how you promote them. And you get that all on a calendar or a project portfolio so that you can kind of see them all together. And another reason that you want to do this is to see if you know, you've, you've overstretched yourself. If you've overtaxed your, your resources, whether they be human resources or, or time, or, you know, those resources that are finite in nature, and you really don't have a good sense for that unless you get them, you know, get them written down. And then you have some kind of detail around them and then you can repeat them and tweak them and adjust them as necessary. Yeah, I was just thinking it might be scary for some people to take that step and write them down. They mm-hmm. might think ignorance is bliss, but, um, you know, just keep it all floating in my brain and keep juggling and spinning plates and all those things. But yep. I do think it's wise um, for you to have that grasp of the full extent you're um, committed mm-hmm. to different projects and getting yep. it written down is a good way to do that. We did this at our congregation. Uh, We were working through a harvest strategy for the school, basically an evangelism program to, you know, get uh, the word out that uh, the school exists and, you know, we preach the gospel here and it's a good place to come and how you manage prospects along the way. And we put together one of the first few meetings, we put together a calendar with all the potential outreach activities and events that the school put together. And uh, there were a few months with two or three major kinds of things in, in, you know, on the calendar. And that was kind of an eye opener saying, surprised you. Now, huh? Can we do all these as well as we'd want to? Uh, and are they going to be as effective as they need to be if we kind of jam pack all these? Because, well, they kind of grown and sometimes spun out of control and you just keep adding and people get uh, ideas and they're good ideas, but then you stack them on top of other good ideas and then you've got a problem. So project portfolio is important to have. Um, Another thing, Sally, that we talk about in the book and is really important in this whole project management process is the discovery process. So you're thinking about a project and maybe it's the first time you've done it, or you're trying to reimagine what this might look like each year. 
And there are technological tools that can help you do that brainstorming and requirements gathering. If you're kind of starting with a blank piece of paper or a whiteboard, uh, one thing that uh, we use a lot is a uh, something called a mind map, which is kind of a free form tool where you can just throw a lot of stuff on the board or in the tool. Um, MindJet makes one that we use. Uh, there's uh, FreeMind. There's a few. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of tools in, in this particular category, where you just uh, throw a lot of stuff there. You organize. You connect, um, and it just kind of works around a central topic. You know, they call it radiant thinking, and it's kind of the way our brains work. It's just it's our brains aren't really linear, especially in the brainstorming process. And mind mapping tools are super helpful here. Yeah, it's a lot easier than just a like you said, a linear outline mm -hmm. where um, moving things around isn't quite so easy to do. This is very drag and drop intuitive. Um, you know, as you discover more things or add more things, then you make connections with lines and things. So um, really a great way to just kind of do a brain dump, get all the information out and get it organized really easily. Mm -hmm. Super helpful tool for me because that's uh, if I'm just kind of stuck and you know, I'm sitting in front of an outlining tool like Microsoft Word, mm -hmm. it's you're forced to kind of think, you know, this comes after this comes after this. And you're, you're kind of destroying the, the way at least my brain works around, uh, you know, the brainstorming process where it's just more random than it is having to worry about uh, this linear structure. So. Very true. So I envision like a, maybe a church council meeting or the organization meeting for VBS. If, if there's some, several people doing the brainstorming, maybe you have a mind map projected and one person's driving mm -hmm. it, taking down all the notes and organizing and everybody's having input on how things get built into that. That would be a really healthy yep. process. To yep. Yep. Very good. Um. The next one that I have on my little list here uh, is maybe something that most people are, are most closely associating with project management, and that's task management and just communicating uh, the tasks and to-do lists and those kinds of things. And boy, there's all kinds of tools you know, around this. Uh, the, the trick, I think, is to find task managers or tools that can easily be shared uh, and that's kind of the beauty of uh, some of these tools is that there can be a central repository for the work that's done. It's recorded and then everybody can just kind of dip in, add their stuff, see what other people are doing, uh, collaborate, those kinds of things. And our favorite tool uh, for this at the Synod office is Trello. Um, Trello is our friend, even though it can kind of get out of control too, but there are there are concepts uh, very familiar to most people within the tool, and that's this concept of a board and lists and cards, uh, kind of like little sticky notes that you can uh, put digital notes in and you can put outlines in, you can put attachments, uh, comments, uh, dates, to-dos, checklists, all those kinds of things. Uh, really would be hard to do what we do, Sally, without a tool like Trello. It's true. It's very visual. It's cloud-based um, and you can get free accounts. You can also have mm -hmm. some more capabilities and privacy and things with um, uh, the paid for accounts that they offer. Um, and 
like I said, just super visual. I can take a glance at the list of tasks that are organized here. I can move things around to show that their status is, is changing along the way and move them over to done if I have that kind of list to indicate that that task is taken care of. So anyone can just quickly check in. They have mobile apps, so you can see all of mm -hmm. this very intuitively and, and well done in uh, the mobile setting as well. So um, rely on it heavily for day-to-day -day work and it it's yep. very valuable and you can make things public so people don't need an account if you have a kind of a wider audience that wants to kind of check in and see the status of things that's a possibility as well one of the nice things about using a tool like trello is its reusability so you can create templates or reuse boards from year to year a lot of us are involved with annual projects you mentioned easter breakfast or uh, canvassing or uh, VBS, those kinds of things, uh, you can create uh, or recreate what you did last year as a starting point. So you're not having to start every year from scratch. And you've got last year's or last month's or whatever to uh, to teach you uh, what went well and what didn't and uh, improve. So lots of uh, reusability goodness there about Trello too. Yeah, I'm smiling, Martin, because I use it personally as well. So not ministry related, mm -hmm. but for my own personal purposes, I keep up with Christmas shopping and packages and gift lists and all those things in Trello. And then the next year comes around and I can remember what I got the person last year. And mm -hmm. so I don't repeat any gifts that way. Hey. Thanks to Trello. Perfect use case. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> One other that gets an honorable mention, at least in my book, and we use it extensively for the hymnal project is a tool called Basecamp. I know a lot of churches that use that, and uh, that is, I would call, more of a traditional tool. It's a little uh, Trello can, you can use for a lot of different purposes. I wouldn't call Trello maybe a, a pure task manager. It does a lot of different things, but Basecamp is more really around projects uh, where you have task lists and uh, forums and communication tools built right in. And, um, you know, they have templates as well. Very, very good product. They have, I think, a free version. But if you want to kind of dig a little bit deeper, you've got to uh, to pay a little bit. And uh, it's uh, it's very well respected and a good tool, I would think, for, for church and school use. Excellent. Should we move on to the next one uh, on my little list? And that's document storage and sharing. And here you see the usual suspects. Uh, you need to kind of store your assets. Trello can do that, but I wouldn't say it's the best for collaborating on documents. Uh, but uh, there are many tools that are. Uh, and uh, one that comes immediately to mind, of course, is Google Drive. Uh, but there are tools like Dropbox and OneDrive. Uh, those are all excellent places where you can store uh, documents, images, you know, all the assets that go along with uh, whatever project you have you happen to be working on, and easily securable and shareable. So those are criteria that you would uh, want to keep in mind as you're working through a project that you want to obviously keep things private if necessary, but uh, obviously easy to get to and easy to collaborate on and, you know, provide notifications when something changes, you know, that kind of stuff. So, and mobile friendly, all of these have mobile apps mm -hmm. that allow you to, to get after this stuff. So just these good repositories. And again, reusability, you want to obviously be able to get back or pass the torch 
from year to year. So if it's a different set of volunteers or different people that are working a project from, from year to year, all you got to do is point them to the, these repositories and you're good to go. Yeah. And one side note on that, just worth considering, spend the time on the front end setting up um, whatever your space is with the appropriate security and mm -hmm. access and everything. You don't want it necessarily tied to the principal's personal Google account. And he takes a call and it's really hard to get it into more of a school Google atmosphere sure. or whatever. So yep. do take the time to put it in a, in a good spot so that you can get to it year after year. Mm -hmm. One other side note, and this is related to um, documentation and just collecting the resources around a particular project. One tool that I really like to use for that is OneNote. And the reason I do is I can take notes there, but I can also stuff all kinds of other stuff in a OneNote. If you're not familiar with OneNote, it's a Microsoft product. And you can embed files, record audio, pictures. Uh, we use it for our uh, show planning because you can put links in there. You can drag all kinds of stuff in there. Just kind of a, um, you know, a catch-all place. And that's one of the important parts, uh, one of the important things of um, you know organizing your stuff is you really don't want to have to remember all the places that you might have put something or how you organized it back a year ago when you were thinking maybe differently than you're thinking now, or you were at the beginning of a project and not at the end. Uh, this uh, acts as a good collection for it, and you can search it, very searchable and shareable, all those kinds of things. So OneNote is an excellent tool for that. Good stuff. Next, and uh, maybe the last item on our list isn't necessarily a point about a, tech, a specific technology or tool, but a process procedure type, what I'll call a framework how you organize your work and how you process and proceed through a project. And this is something we've talked about. We talked briefly about it in the book, but we live and breathe it every day here in uh, the Center for Mission and Ministry in our work, and that is Scrum. Um, and that is, a, as I mentioned, a framework that has things like sprints where you uh, determine that you are going to work uh, certain things during a specific period of time, usually in our case, two weeks, uh, where we say for the next two weeks, we want to get X, Y, and Z done, and we identify who's doing it and how long we think it'll take, and we report to each other how we're doing against those, those goals, and that gives us a regular routine. That really speaks to kind of unsticking projects if you have kind of a regular cadence and routine uh, for getting stuff done and, and scrum and sprints are uh, very vital to that. And I think there's definitely application within a church or school setting for, for using that kind of framework. Yeah, I think scrum kind of came out of like Japanese automakers, maybe where they were mm -hmm. doing these kind of processes in factories, breaking things down to small steps. Um, the concept of a sprint is that um, or, or of using sprints, I should say, is that you can't possibly know on the front end of something how it ultimately needs to turn out. Because as you develop things, as you work through your building project or whatever it may be, you're, things are going to change. Things are going to happen. You're going to hit roadblocks. You're going to have to reroute and make other decisions and things. And if you plan it all out from start to finish, 
and, you know, hit a hiccup like that, it's going to derail the whole entire um, mm -hmm. ball of wax kind of thing. So the concept is to take two weeks worth of work or whatever time frame you choose and focus on that and get it all the way done. And then, you know, kind of reevaluate what's the next two weeks going to look like in the next two weeks and, and determine it as you go so that um, these little iterative steps help you get a bigger picture of what your ultimate goals are and things. And so um, I can see that, you know, daily in our work that things change all the time. Things change mid sprint and we want to say, oh my goodness, we need to abandon what we decided to do and go a different direction. But yet when you commit to those two weeks, you finish that up before you shift gears and do some different things. And so um, it's, it's really beneficial to, to keeping you on track in that regard. I've seen yep. it work. So, and it helps a team feel that there's progress being made. And that's one of the kind of psychological uh, helpers that, that scrum brings to the table where uh, it's not this, you know, whole, you know, work, 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 and no, ultimately, ultimately you hope something good pops out at the end here. You see progress and incremental, you know, improvements along the way and uh, milestones and those kinds of things. You so may even get to a point where it's you're finished and you don't even pursue the rest of the project because mm -hmm. you realize that this is satisfying your needs because you built it in a way right. that it met all your needs and things. So it's, it's pretty powerful shift in the way we think, you know, not in game, but more short steps and getting yep. it done. Yep. Uh, Sally, did you want to reference a book that you've been reading? Oh, that's yeah. in your, ah, that's in your picks and tips of the week. I'm not going to spoil <laughs> that. Okay. Coming I will up make soon. another, okay. I will make another plug for, uh, with all your heart, the book that we wrote, and we probably should do a revision here, Sally, because some things have changed. Although, interestingly, uh, much of what we just talked about is is still very relevant. Uh, we spent a long time talking about Trello in the book, and it's as relevant as ever. So if you get a chance, pick up a copy. It's available paper or, um, I almost said plastic, paper mm -hmm. or digital is available mm -hmm. as well. So from Amazon, we'll have a link in the show notes. Amazon. Yeah. Now let's move to our tips and picks of the week. Big spoiler. I have a book to share with you and it ties <laughs> Maybe right I'll in. I'll edit that out, but yeah, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's okay if you don't, because it's, it's a good piggyback right on our conversation that we were just having about Scrum. I'm currently in the middle of reading a book called um, I can't see the front of it. Scrum, The Art of Doing Twice the Work in Half the Time. And it's by Jeff Sutherland, and co who's the co-creator of Scrum, he says, and J.J. Sutherland, his son. And uh, I've read a couple of different Scrum books. So I was going to grab another one. I think we've read Essential Scrum as a team. Mm -hmm. And it's very mechanical about do this step and this step and this meetings for this and yada, yada, yada. This one's a lot easier read. And it's a lot more practical. It shows you Scrum in process. And this particular gentleman has a vast amount of experience across a lot of different industries and the military. He tells some really good stories in here. Um, and he just gives you a lot more practical ways to think about how um, this kind of iterative process can help you. So I would definitely recommend it as a ministry type read just for getting your feet wet with the concept of Scrum 
project management tools or methodology framework, I guess is the word. And it too is available on Amazon. The hardcover price is $13.49 and Kindle for $16.99. So check out Scrum, the art of doing twice the work in half the time. It's a very quick read. It's not a, a long, you know, really difficult uh, read. So worth your time. All right. My pick of the week actually is more of a tip of the week, and that is Gmail keyboard shortcuts. Um, I've played around with other email applications uh, on the on the computer, and I almost always come back ultimately to the web version of Gmail. And uh, one of the reasons that I do is, well, it works um, and it works the same on a mobile platform as it does in, in your web version, whatever. But there are some challenges or had been uh, some challenges I was finding with trying to be productive in a web-based version of a tool. And one of the things that uh, Google has done, and this is not recent, but uh there is a maybe a little bit of a learning curve, and that's using keyboard shortcuts to do a lot of the same thing. So hitting the delete key, for instance, doesn't delete an email in, in Gmail because it's uh, web-based. Although the Outlook uh, web version does do that, so I don't know why Google hasn't done that, but they do have other ways around that. And I'm going to point you to an article called 48 handy Gmail keyboard shortcuts to supercharge your productivity. And it talks you through how to turn uh, keyboard shortcuts on because I don't think they're on by default. Uh, also to how to thin them down or even customize them. So for instance, when you turn Gmail keyboard shortcuts on, the delete key is the hashtag. And I didn't find that to be super useful because that is a two key combination. And I just wanted one key. So I, uh, I'll, it allows you to customize it. And in this article, it shows you where to do that. So I just uh, remapped. Well, I didn't remap, but I added an alternate way to hit uh, the delete or to delete a particular uh, email. And that's just with the D key, which made sense to me. But there are all, all kinds of other built-in ones that I think you'll find useful. Hitting the A key is reply all, um, F key for forward, R for respond uh, directly to or reply uh, to the individual. Um, just kind of easy ways to, to navigate around. You can obviously use the arrow keys to go up and down through your messages. One thing that's a little bit frustrating I found, and it's kind of a uh, something that you kind of burn into your, your memory over time is how to scroll a message. And many of you know that by hitting the space key in a web form or a web page, it uh, does do some scrolling. It does will scroll up and down. So you just have to remember that shift space goes up, space goes down, those kinds of things. But there's all kinds of other things in here. Shows you how to customize, of course, and just kind of makes the web version of Gmail a little bit more useful. So the the person that wrote the article does uh, a nice job of illustrating how to, to, to change the settings and all the the useful ways to to get this to work. By the way, if you hit shift question mark in Gmail, it will show you all of the shortcuts that are available if you've got shortcuts, keyboard shortcuts turned on. So another tip there. So that's my tip of the week. 
Good stuff, Martin. I'm still scrolling this article. There's a lot of keyboard shortcuts to learn. Yep. Do you have all of these learned and under your No, fingers? I don't use all of them. So okay. some of them are pretty standard, you know, like mm-hmm. a copy, paste, uh, that undo, redo, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, linking, adding links, that's always control or command K you know, in almost mm-hmm. every application. So once you've got that, you know, control plus, control minus for indent, outdent, that kind of stuff. So. But uh, it's the big ones that are the, the ones that kind of do email management are the ones that interest me the most. So deleting, forwarding, replying, that kind of stuff. Very good. Keep your hand off the mouse. All right. <laughs> Let's move on to community news and feedback. Um, sure. So I guess we could call this hymnal week because there were a couple of hymnal questions that came mm-hmm. our way. We have new Christian worship 2021 hymnal that was released recently. And one of the things that we've um, helped with in the past kind of facilitated was a, a Google calendar with the church year lectionary um, embedded in the Google calendar. So you could use that. You could subscribe to the calendar and have access to the different readings for each particular um, Sunday and special festival days, as well as like the hymn of the day and the psalm of the day and things of the, like that. And um, that actually is going away. Um, at the end of the current church year, we're not going to continue to propagate that Google calendar. So for people that are um, subscribed to it and are maybe looking forward to summer for planning the next church year, um, they're beginning to notice that there's no entries in that Google calendar. So we've had some questions recently about when it will be updated with the new church year and that kind of thing. And instead of updating that, um, that Google calendar lectionary is being replaced by the new Christian worship service builder. I'll just do a quick screen share. Um, Service Builder is a subscription tool, but it's also available for free. And for free, you can get access to the full lectionary. So if you click on a particular Sunday, the readings for that Sunday and um, prayer of the day, the gospel acclamation, the psalm of the day, and the hymn of the day are all there um, in the service builder. And also the color um, for that Sunday is available as well, um, displayed there in service builder. So um, all the things and more (laughs) that were part of that Google calendar lectionary are now presented here in a much nicer format. And I'm not logged in or anything. I don't have a subscription, but I'm able to access that, like I said, for the Sundays, as well as for the um, festival worships, um, all of it's here. So that's mm-hmm. the direction you should go. Bookmark the builder.christianworship.com website, and that will get you what you need. Excellent. Um, speaking of the hymnal, we had a email come into our Wells Tech hotline, <laughs> so to speak, helpline, <laughs> whatever we call it, from Michael Riley. Uh, Michael says, I was happy to find the lyrics here for all the hymns in the Christian Worship 93 hymnal, and I was wondering if there's a similar resource for Christian Worship 21. I think he's referring to uh, the text expander uh, tool that we made available that Emil Burgess put together for us. And you can basically plug any Christian worship hymn, you know, with a couple keystrokes into uh, with the right program into whatever you're typing in. He says, my congregation is, is considering the new hymnal, and I would like to present a comparison of the lyrics that have changed for hymns that have changed between 93 and the 93 hymnal and the 21 hymnal. 
I've started doing this with both hymnals side by side, but that's a very laborious and tedious process. I would like to use a comparison tool to find the differences, but for that, I need the CW21 lyrics. I have already noted that some of the hymns in CW21 are far superior to some of the hymns in CW93. God's own, God's own Son, Most Holy, is perhaps the most dramatic I've found so far, and I think letting people see what has changed will help allay some fears. If you have the CW lyrics or can get them, I'd be most thankful. I also be, I'd also be happy to share the results of such a comparison in case someone else might find it useful. So I didn't know the answer to this. So I reached out to former, former uh, hymnal, uh, what was his title? Um, we interviewed him a number of times, uh, hymnal director. Uh, Michael Schultz, Pastor Michael Schultz, who recently took a call, I believe, to Tallahassee, Florida. Sounds right. Um, we'll have to double check that, but I think that's true. And uh, Michael uh, Schultz reached back out to me with an answer. He said, uh, "I," he says, Martin, I have them, but I can't really share the single text file with all those texts because of the copyrighted stuff in them, one of those files that you really don't want out there in the public, uh, but for just use for committee work. Uh, he says, do you or Michael know about the text comparison tool in hymnary.org? We have uploaded both the new hymnal and new Psalter to hymnary.org. CW93 is already there. And for whatever is public domain, you can actually do a side-by-side -side comparison apart right within the tool. Apart from that, all the public domain texts from CW21 are there. Other than side-by-side, -side, you can page through the new hymnal, and it gives a link. We'll put that in the show notes and see all a copy of the, the uh, public domain texts. Uh, whatever he does note, whatever OCR tool they used to scan in text for the new hymnal wasn't 100% perfect, so a person would still want to have the new hymnal open to see if the differences are really what the highlighting shows them to be. Let me know if this is, will be sufficient for Michael's purposes. So good resource there. And uh, we'll put that link in the show notes. He also offers, um, he says, once I get situated in my new call, I can pretty quickly compile a list of hymns that we tried to strengthen the text or returned it to its worthier original if he still wanted more examples. So maybe we'll tap Michael when he's... Maybe got some free time, you know, to do that as well in the future. So thanks, Michael and Michael, uh, for uh, the question and the answer. Good stuff. Yep. Lots to to be excited about with that new hymnal. Are you using it in your congregation yet, Martin? We are. Uh, we are in my too. current congregation, which is going to not be my congregation in a couple of weeks because <laughs> we're moving to a new congregation. I don't know what they're using. I'm assuming they're using CW 21 in the, in, uh, at Christ Lutheran and Big Bend as well, but not sure. Mm -hmm. All right. That's going to about do it for, well, I don't know if it was an abbreviated version of Wells Tech, but you know, that's, we, we, we do our best. We're, we apologize. In <laughs> Summer. Yep. Um, next time uh, we gather, we're going to talk about another component of technology and ministry, and that's just data management. How do you manage all the stuff that you have to keep track of? And that could be uh, member management, could be all kinds of stuff. So stay tuned for that as we gather once again to talk about technology and ministry and where those two intersect. Thanks so much for joining us. We will talk to you soon. Have a great week. Bye-bye, everybody. Thank you.